Hello and welcome to the preview as we look ahead to the champions of Scotland, Glasgow Celtic. They are taking on Livingston at Celtic Park today, which is Wednesday the 21st of December 2022. And what is the second last home game of the season with the last home game being against St. Johnston on Saturday. The preview itself, we will be uh, speaking to Christian Wolfe as he gives us the tactics and stats. Uh, we can look ahead to how we think Livingston are going to play. There's some really interesting stuff from Christian. We then have the press conference. The press conference uh, from Ange Postacoglu um, will then answer any questions regarding team news and player availability. So let's sit back, relax and listen to and prepare for the game against Livingston with the preview. <laughs> Joining me now is, of course, Christian Wolfe as we look at the stats and tactics element of Celtic taking on Livingston at Celtic Park. Hello, Christian. How are you? Hello, Christopher. I'm well, thank you. Lovely stuff. You've got a terrific white sweater on. Very Christmassy. Yes, it turns, uh, you know, late November, December. Um, I go pretty Norwegian <laughs> in, my, in my clothing. Uh, I've got more Norwegian clothing than this. But yeah, that's, you know, big sweater. That's what you need. Yes. Especially when working from home. Of course, yes. Uh, get, get the heat off, you know. Uh, get the uh, get those sweaters on. Um, Celtic taking on Livingston. Um, obviously, we had the match at the weekend against Aberdeen, which uh, was described very well and discussed on the review. I thought you and uh, uh, Graham did a fantastic job. Um, uh, Graham did okay. I did, so, did his best. Uh, yeah, I did his best. That's that's the key thing. Um, Looking at uh, going from Aberdeen away, Pataudry, which is a notoriously, uh, although it's a forgiving ground for Celtic, it's still a ground that you'd look at and say that's quite a tough fixture, to Livingston at home, um, who are a very different kettle of fish at Celtic Park compared to the Tony Macaroni. Having said that, the last time we played them at home, mm-hmm. we, uh, we drew an L-nil, so... And also, we'll get to this, after watching the Aberdeen game and watching Livingston, I'm afraid to have to announce that I fully believe that Livingston has a better manager than Aberdeen as well. But we'll get to that because that set up from Goodwin and Aberdeen was just... It's a bit pathetic. I, I, have, but, to, I have to say, some of the, um, some of the, some of, uh, Jim Goodwin's quotes from a the press conference not that i don't ever really pay attention to a, a manager's press conference that's not the celtic manager other than if it's relevant to celtic in some way um but i, I just saw some of it come on my timeline it's very neil lennon-esque um i'm not going to listen to essentially i'm not going to listen to fans they don't tell me what to do and all that sort of stuff and it was a bit you're getting into some interesting territory it's it was me and Graham went through it like stats wise. It, it's hard to measure these things, but overall, I think it's like the lowest, the most offensive team that set up against Celtic, like uh, under Ange. It, it was really that defensive. Uh, you know, we had some actually crazy stats in terms of what that led to. But yeah, it's, I mean, he went, okay, you've hired a St. Marin coach and he went St. Marin, but he went. Turbo Saint Marin, like yeah. Saint Marin on that, you know, particularly defensively. It's just 
Yeah, but I, I think this is this is the whole thing. Like people just kind of say stuff like uh, low block, when in reality there's a, a variety of ways of playing a low block, and there's a variety of ways of. I mean, that was it. that was below <laughs> surface. That was the Netherlands, yeah. you know, in terms of had to put those like big. I recall like those wee barriers up so you didn't get flooded. It was that low. Yeah, I, I thought I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the back. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's... that's, that's uh, I was more like a mask. Yeah. Can, do you remember Mask, the cartoon series? Mask of was in Sky. Of course, I've got a big, big mask, man. Um, that's I like- how I learned English. I watched uh, DJ Cat cartoons on Sky. I had all these masks. Is that is that why you speak? Is that why you speak like that, Christian? Yeah, that's why I speak like <laughs> fin- that. Finally, finally. Um, I'm joking, of course. Uh, Livingston. Uh, Martindale. Um, yes. He's a, he's a different type. What a guy. He's a what a character. <laughs> yeah. A different type of manager. Um, how are they going to set up? Is it going to be as low? What's your thoughts? Oh, I mean, you're jumping in the rundown here. You're jumping in the rundown. I have so many thoughts about how uh, Martindale is going to set up tactically. But why, why don't we have a look? Yeah, what the stats yeah, say, say, say so far? Yes, let's do that. Say, say the meaty tactical stuff to the end. Um, but which we can run through quickly. So essentially, a couple of things we need to know about uh, Livingston, I think, from an advanced stat perspective. A um, couple of them I think is good news. You know, the sixth in the league, but in the in the table that really matters, as we all know, is the expected points table. Steven Russell got them on ninth. But more interesting, this is the team in the league that that overperform by the second, essentially overperforming the second most. So the points they have compared to their expected points. So they're overperforming by 6.2 points. It's only San Marin that is overperforming more. So they are putting in performances that, you know, if you want to call a luck or randomness, they've been getting the rub of the green. So far, so some of that might have to do with their playing style a little bit, but you know they, they drew a little regression, which is what we want to see. I think it's specifically if you then dive into like some of the like, XG and things like this, they are it, it is offensively, you know, they have the second least shots in terms of XG created. They're also ninth in terms of how many times to get into the opposition's half and final third, you know, third last. They get into the penalty box seven most, so that's a bit higher. We'll, we'll maybe get back to that on one of the ways they do get into the penalty box. But then again, defensively, they, they are more solid. You know, they're seven on all the you know, XG conceded shots against and, and so on. Although, again, they are a team that let the opposition into their own half, final third, um, quite a bit. But they are, as you can see, tactically... While they let their position in quite a bit compared to others, they don't let them to that many chance, two chances or big chances. So it's kind of what you expect, you know, possession wise. They have their possessions are the shortest in the league, only about 11.8 seconds per possession. I think Celtics up like over 20, for example. And possession, they're second last in terms of how many passes they do, second last. So nothing you wouldn't expect from Livingston, you know, a bit more solid defensively. Um, don't get to too many chances, don't have the ball much. Probably been a little bit rocky in terms of performances and how many points they have so far. Uh, I, I was just looking at some of the you know the recent performances. Uh, they've picked up six, seven points from nine games, uh, defeating Kilmarnock away, Aberdeen at home, 
uh, and then drawn one each with Hearts. Their game against Dundee United uh, was obviously postponed at the weekend. Uh, decent run of form recently. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they've definitely been been getting the results. Uh, as you say, you know, if, if you look at those kind of <laughs> last three there, like Aberdeen, they win 2-1. Aberdeen has an XG of 4.2 <laughs> and Lisbon has an XG of 1.3. Uh, the Hearts one is, is is very even, you know, it's XG of, um, you know, there's a couple of Aberdeen penalties obviously in, in, in that game as well. Uh, and the Hibs game, uh, sorry, the one against Hearts is 1-1. XG is pretty much spot on Kilmarnock as well the XG is is very close as well and they win by one goal so it, I think that Aberdeen was a bit of an outliner that they were quite lucky to win that against Harsh and Kilmarnock you know it, it's okay I mean they're the matching them XG wise and they're getting four points from it so they could have gone the other way another day but you know there's you know they have the game against Rangers kind of before that before the Celtic game where they have a you know because you're a late equaliser but you know, again, XG wise, should be pleased with a point there. So, I think they've had games. If even if we go back to St Johnston one before that, again, just edged on edged XG to get the win, uh, and, and so on. So, there's decent performances in there, and I think the kind of the details is like the the kind of moments have fallen their way recently as well before the break. And also, this is you know. They didn't play at the weekend, and this is the first game in what since the twelfth of November now as well. So I think we kind of leads nicely into to Martindale and what he's been thinking about over the last five six weeks. Um, see, in regard to Martindale, plays a style stylistically. Is it just a different version of what Ange does in regards to just keep doing what you're doing? Do they set up the same way no matter who they play, or is there a different sort of pragmatic approach? I think it's it, you obviously have certain key aspects like like Anstos, but his I would say his formation vice, looking at least games against Celtic and Rangers, it it does change it up a bit. And if you if you've you know if, if you kind of read articles on Martindale and I guess some of his own self promotion as well, you know he, he he likes to make it clear that he he is tactically minded and he has a tactical plan. You know, I think we've discussed before the last, like the away game, you know, there was like this article in, in the Athletic that followed the team, the Livingston team the week before the Rangers game. You know, they were talking about, okay, how they want to set up. It, it's clear he, he's, it's, I think, obviously, yeah, against every team, they will have this, but especially against Rangers and Celtic, you can you can almost see Markendale's mind working from here, right? In terms of okay, this is what I gotta do, I gotta set up like this way, and so on. So if you walk kind of through his tactical setup in in some of the games against Celtic and Rangers, if you go back to that October twenty twenty one game, the goalless draw, he goes with a five three one one. So he's got five at the back, three centimetre feeders. So he's got one kind of second striker hanging off the striker. One. Then in March 2022, which is like, I guess, one of those kind of pivotal games we'll look at under Ange, you know, in terms of winning the league and breaking that hoodoo, he goes more with a, a 4 4 2 against Celtic. And Celtic tear them apart. Yeah. You know, we did a lot of stuff on that and how they managed to do that. Then they go to Rangers. And again, this is kind of like, in this athletic article we talked about, to go with a 4-3-2-1 one, 
I go with a back four, but then the, it essentially puts four lines in there. So you got a back three, but then instead of playing two wingers, he put the wingers quite inverted. So he covers the central. And then it, the week after, because we watched that, you know, we talked about that game. He said, Ooh, he's going to go four, three, two, one. This is how Celtic's going to like need to set up because it, you know, it almost got him the win against the Rangers. He's going to do the same thing against Celtic. He goes back to a five, three, one, one in that one. So, and we can maybe talk a little, to, a little bit about it, but I think overall, Martindale's plan against Celtic last time works quite well. Right? They, they do go on a lose three 0 but Celtic gets that early goal. Yeah, and the second goal is like a Greg Taylor long shot through the keeper's leg. So it, it, it was a case of, uh, even though the result wasn't what they wanted, I think it worked pretty well for, for large parts of the game because Celtic really didn't have. I think it was. Until Jota's like he gets the penalty at the end. Until that one, it's like something didn't actually create much much XG. You had Kyogo's really good finish, great Taylor shot, but they did well there as well. So I, I kind of get sitting here going, is it going to go for the more what against did against Rangers away at Ibrox and he did really well, or is he going to go for more what he did against Celtic both in the last game and what he did in the nil-nil draw last year as well? So you kind of, I you kind of got a feeling he's going to go five at the back, but again with Martindale, he likes to think this through, so he might end up going four three two one as well. That's uh, the fact that there is so many options. Like he, he has these kind of plans. Um, you know, people like to kind of people don't like David Martindale. You know, fair enough. If you don't, you like, don't like David Martindale, specialist. You know, I actually, <laughs> in regards to him as a person, I, I don't have any. You know. No opinion either way, you. but like as regards to what he's done in, in in Scottish football and and how he's handled himself and how he he's just one of the more interesting football managers. No, he definitely is. I mean, he is a bit like the whole kind of Rangers thing and all that. He's, a couple of his comments are like kind of you know, uh, but I, I think that's the word. He is you know, quote unquote, a character. I think is is a good one, but at least he is somebody who thinks through things tactically. And it's the same recruitment wise, you know. I'm no people who's kind of worked for Livingston. He, even Martin Dell wasn't the manager. He was really the manager, and he kind of ran the, the recruitment stuff as well. And he's very open to, to different stuff mm-hmm. around the recruitment. So I, I think he's 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 a character. He's a character. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's just let's just leave it there. Um, <laughs> goalkeeping stats. What's your thoughts? Well, well, so this is one of the things that comes up with. In terms of um, like the XG for Livingston, is that they've conceded quite a bit more XG than they've conceded goals. So I was like, oh, the, the goalkeeper might be doing well. Um, yeah, your man, uh, Shamal George. It's just that when you look at his goalkeeping stats, he's not actually doing that well, you know, <laughs> advanced stats wise. So, yeah, so advanced stats, but advanced stats wise, you know, we're seeing a goalkeeper. They're actually not that good. So I think there is something in, in, in the stats here where Jamal Josh isn't really overperforming in terms of saves or so on. But Ed Livingston has conceded quite a few XG. So I think there is, again, obviously talked about, you know, their points being better than the expected points, their XG conceded being, you know, worse than a goal. So I think there is maybe something. I'm not saying that Livingston is, is, is do or doing, right? But. I think they have been slightly lucky in terms of how many goals they have cons- have not conceded so far. So, which again is you know it's, uh, it's 
it's advanced that voice. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good sign. It's a good sign. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the last time we had we had we played against was it Hamilton that was in goals for us away from home in the three 0 game, and he was absolutely appalling. Like he was he was terrible. Is George better? What I've seen of of George, I mean, again, his his stats aren't fantastic uh, in that sense, but he. I, I do kind of like his, his playing style and so on, but you know, what's going to happen? Um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it was Jack Hamilton last time and again, it wasn't great. I, I think I, I can't actually remember why George didn't play that one, but he's he, he does seem a, a slightly better goalkeeper, even though he's advanced that. Isn't they're, they're not great. Okay. They're not great. Uh, so I mean, in regards to how Martindale's going to approach Celtic are going to approach how Celtic are going to approach specifically Celtic Park um, we've played them just a bit of insight in regards to the, the times we've played them we've actually played them 15 times in the league at Celtic Park we've won 12 drawn 3 lost none uh, obviously the last one was a draw um, the the three draws have came within the last couple of seasons, so it's not like you know it's over you know it's spattered about. Uh, overall, we've played Livingston in all competitions thirty three times, one twenty four, drawn seven, lost two, scored eighty five, conceded twenty four. It's the, the the record seems worse than that. Like it just <laughs> it just seems worse, but it's really not. Um, Celtic are going to set up how Celtic are going to set up. We don't stop. We play one way. That's how we do it. How are Livingston going to set up? Do you think? So uh, I think he will do what he did in the last game. I think he will do what he did in the last home game, and it's that that five three one one. Now, as I said, the alternative is a four three two one, and I think if he does the four three two one, I think that's quite good for Celtic because, especially against Rangers, they had so many opportunities of kind of what happens essentially that the fullback goes out on the Celtic winger the the kind of inverted winger stay on the Celtic fullback so there is always quite a bit of space between one of the centre backs and the fullbacks you know Celtic love to exploit but I think he will go 5-3-1-1 and you can kind of go are they going to set up like Aberdeen you know because it's quite similar tactical formation but what Martindale did in the last game in that kind of 5-3-1-1 setup, that there are some differences between how Aberdeen set up and also essentially how St. Mary's set up. And the main one else is, is to kind of look out for is that that kind of second striker, instead of having like Aberdeen two uh, essentially cones uh, up top who did no pressing or did nothing, your main striker will press a bit more, but your second striker, that kind of the one, he will fall down to become part of that kind of midfield four. And he, his role is usually to sit on Celtics number six, which would be McGregor. So that you kind of have one striker on top who will kind of, I guess, nominally look at Celtic centre-back. And then you have that kind of second striker attacking midfielder who is sit on Celtics number six. Or at least, he, you know, it's a man-to-man matchup there. And then behind that, that leaves... Your three central midfielders, Livingston's ones, to cover Celtic's two number eights, but also one of the Celtic fullbacks that will invert. I think this is where Martin is a bit more clever than, than Goodwin, because he knows Celtic will invert their fullbacks. 
So what Aberdeen did is obviously they had the three central midfielders sitting on Celtic's three central midfielders, essentially. And if Ralston and Taylor came in, you, you saw how much, I mean, I think Greg Taylor received 47 passes in that half space in the final third, just that because he was, he was free all the time. That won't happen here. They will have, because of that striker falls down, they'll have essentially four midfielders to cover Celtic's three midfielders plus a, a fullback that invert. And what they also do, I think, is a lot more clever than Aberdeen. If you look at the Aberdeen game, Yoga had three centre-backs around him at the whole time, right? Pretty much the whole time. Levy will put two on Kyogo or if it's Gigi they'll, to kind of cover him. They'll have the central centre-back will always be one. And then the centre-back on the side of which the Celtic striker is on. So say Kyogo's on his left-hand side is the right centre-back for Livingston and the centre-mid that would kind of look after him. So what's that leaves you? It leaves you a spare centre-back. Right, yeah, on what we call the far side. So, the far side is the side the ball is not on. So, that spare center back, what his role is looking at the last game, he helps out the Livingston midfielder, the number eight, who's, who's also on the far side. So, if the ball's out on the left, you have the Livingston left sided midfielder and the Livingston left sided center back, you know, who's you know on the other side of the pitch to where the ball is. And they will kind of combine to then cover Celtic's other fullback, who's on the far side, and Celtic's number eight. So, so say in an attack on on Wednesday, if Celtic's attacking down the left-hand side, Kyogo is on the left-hand side, and say Matt O'Reilly and Anthony Ralston is on the other side, Livingston's left centre-back and Livingston's left central cent- central midfielder will look after Ralston and O'Reilly. Yeah. So, so, so it's, you have two things happening. So it's not that those three straight lines for Aberdeen because you have the second striker falling down and you have a centre-back who's then aware of that. So essentially, Livingston will try and deny you that free man that Aberdeen gave you again and again and again. And what they also do quite well, they cover Celtic's rotations. There's one example where Celtic, in the last game, Celtic rotates like Greg Taylor comes inwards, Hatate goes wide. And that often causes issues for, for the teams to do that. Yeah. But in this case, the central midfielder, who's who, who kind of covered, you know, Chitty, uh, he lets Greg Taylor go in, and he covers Hatati instead, and he lets the deep Livingston midfielder come in and cover Greg Taylor. So if Celtic rotate positions, Livingston is quite good at rotating that as well. Now that is. Good when it works. It's difficult to do for 90 minutes if Celtic keeps that up. And that's what happens on the first goal as well. Essentially, Celtic has Aberdeen, Livingston has quite a good setup. The ball is on the right hand side with Ralston. But essentially, what happens is I think it's the second striker that kind of jumps onto O'Reilly who gets the ball. And then he kind of essentially he leaves Greg Taylor alone on the far side. So you only have the right side that's centre back to cover Greg Taylor and he's supposed to cover Kyogo. So he jumps out on Taylor. Taylor slips the ball behind him and Kyogo now is just one-on-one with the central centre-back. And, you know, it's it's a marvel of sinners. So a little mistake, if you try to do this system, a little mistake, Celtic will punish you like you did, but it's a lot more for true. And if it works, it kind of denies Celtic that spare man. So that's why I kind of think... Martindale's going to do that again because he worked for him last time. 
it worked in large part, even when they lost 3-0 in the last game. So I think he's going to replicate that. And it is, as I said, it's more thought out. It's more, I think if it works, it's a lot more effective against Celtic. And that's, and I think it's just a, you know, an example that Martindale kind of just dust is better than, than Goodwin. Celtic might get an early goal and then rip them apart and do a, a loss more. But I think it's, it's a more clever approach against Celtic than what Goodwin did. See the um, you say the the center back of whatever side you know the left side goes to the kind of um, you know left wing or sorry the number eight and see when does that happen only in specific zones like it's not man marking is it no so it's it's I think that they do that well because some teams will just man, because Celtic move their players are all about they go like you you follow that see if if you're the right winger you you follow Greg Taylor no matter where he goes. But I think Livingston has a bit more flexibility in that they're slightly more zonal. Like they have, you know, uh, intended man, like the attacking midfielder is, is usually on McGregor in the six, but they can switch. You know, they, they can, if Craig Taylor comes in, the midfielder on the right hand side, he will leave him and then pick up Hatati when Hatati comes out. So it, it is, it is a mix of, of Sonal and, and, and man markings, which I think it's, I guess, essentially what you call a hybrid uh, thing. And, and I think that's, it is probably the most effective way of doing a block. It's probably the most difficult as well, because it's not as simple <laughs> as going either Sonal or man marking, because it's an element of, okay, I'm letting my player go, I'm picking up another one. I have to make sure that my teammate picks up that one. But it, it is, you know, so, so roughly you have one. Livingston player on, on each player, but to avoid Celtic dragging out the position, you have to have an element of, okay, I'm going to leave that player for you and I'm going to take this one. And that first centre-back, that's free centre-back, will kind of help with that because you will then have Amos Ralston comes in on the right-hand side and O'Reilly is there. Aberdeen didn't have two players to cover that because the centre-back stay low, but here the centre-back is kind of allowed to jump out and cover O'Reilly and then the midfielder can cover like Ralston if he comes on and you, you've got a wing back that covers the, the wingers anyway so it, it's it's a more clever system or, but I mean, it's also harder to execute yeah harder to execute and you know that all kind of uh, if Celtic get an early goal it's it's kind of harder it's it that's it and Celtic gets that the last time and I mean like they're in control but Livingston keeps doing it what Celtic did quite well in the last game as well is that their far side number eight, um, which is a fancy word for Aaron Moy in that game, essentially. Aaron Moy came over to the left hand side a lot and kind of helped give another passing option. You know, it, 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 that was the game I thought Aaron Moy has worked the best in the system because yeah. if the lift, if, if he comes over to that side, and this would be Matt O'Reilly's role, you know, you give them, you know, some. Choices then do the midfielder that's kind of covering Moy and Ralston in that scenario. Does he move with Moy? And if he does, Ralston can come in and be very open unless the centre back jumps all the way out of it, which maybe he doesn't do because then Kyogo can sneak in behind them if he makes the other run. And if he doesn't follow Moy, Celtic should have a spare player on that side. So again, that's I think that thing of Celtics number eight moving over to each other's side, constantly kind of questioning Livingston defenders uh, and midfielders and making them make decisions all the time. 
that's where that's where you hurt them. That's where you create space, and that's where you create the chances. Yeah, fantastic. Um, in regards to back four or back five, I, I think they'll go back five because of all that. Uh, I think they will. So, which you know, uh, if they go back four. You know, there's, there's other challenges in that, but I think you then have the opportunity to, to pull them out of space more and create space, especially in that space between the fullback and the centre-back. So, but I think they're going to go back five. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, talk us through Livingston creating opportunities. Because it's funny, <laughs> this this week or so, um, uh, Martin Day was talking about uh, Nubly and talking about how there's interest in him, but he's definitely staying. It's when a manager says he's definitely staying in this transfer window, it always makes me think, oh, he's away. You know, like, he's definitely staying. Um, and he's been very effective for them. Um, talk us through your thoughts on Livingston yeah. in the final third. Well, I had a look at who's have the highest XG for Livingston in, in the league, and they're pretty much all in the league games. And Nubla is, is second. He's got 2.8 XG. He's got three goals. Sean Kelly, who's, you know, he plays centre half, but also better centre, has the highest. And <laughs> Obelier, um, this other centre back, has the third highest XG, right? So it, it, it tells you something, you know, uh, this is not a team where the midfielders <laughs> have a lot of XG, it's, it's the centre backs. <laughs> Normally, it's, it's good. So they obviously they create a lot from set pieces. Um, they have 10 shots from throwing attacks so far. And you know, they, they love that long throwing. So I had a look and saying, okay, how, how often does Livingston throw the ball into the opposition's penalty box? And they've done it so far 48 times. They've thrown the ball from a throw in, they've thrown the ball into the box. Now, overall, they have 389 passes into the opposition penalty box. 12.5% of that is from throw-ins. Now, there's teams that throw the ball into the opposition's half penalty box more, like St. Maryland has done it 53 times, but they've almost got 100 passes more into the penalty box. So their total of, of passes that goes into the penalty box, 8% of those are throw-ins. <laughs> 12.5% for Lewis. If It's like Celtic. Celtic has thrown the ball into the penalty box nine times. That's 1.3% of all the times they've passed into the penalty box history are throwing. So it, it, you can see it's classic Livingston one. Like, okay, corners and everything, but long throw-ins, uh, you know, essentially every eighth pass they put into the opposition's penalty box is a throw-in. So wow, that's yeah. insane. That is- and you, you see that in the XG stats as well, that, you know, it's, it's the centre-halves. <laughs> you know, two of the highest, three highest XG, it's the centre-halves. And the other one is is your big striker, who also you know get on the end of those throw-ins and, and corners and free kicks. So that's you know classic Livingston. And and again, it's if you are Livingston, you have to do these tactical things, and you have to you have to play to your strengths, and you have to think through those set pieces and how you do it. It's obvious that they do that as well. Absolutely, um, it's a, a game that obviously they haven't played. This is the first game. The game at the weekend was 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 called off due to bad weather. So the first game since the return. So will they be rusty? Won't they be a little bit rusty? You know, we've got that rust out um, against Aberdeen. So hopefully we'll be fit. And be careful of that rust. Like oh. it'll 
Cutry. Cutry. So, um, yeah. Christian, if you had to give me a prediction, what would it be? Doesn't have to be a, a score. Could be anything in the game. Talk me through it. Uh, I think Martindale is going to have an outrageous vote after the game. Um, I. I hmm. It sounds like a cop out to say a lot will be decided by an early goal now, but I think it will be. You know, I, I think if Celtic can get the early goal as they did last time, I think they control it. I don't think Livingston has much other than the throw-ins to do. But this is a team that can frustrate you as well. But you know, I'm, I'm going to go two 0 Celtic. Two 0 Celtic. Uh, one in the first time, one in the second. Lovely. Great to hear it. Um, Christian Wolf, as always, uh, thank you, and we'll see you, listen to you at the weekend. Speak to you down the road. Hi, Ange. Firstly, can we start by asking you your thoughts overall on the World Cup and, and particularly the final on Sunday? Yeah, we're just talking about it now. Is, um, yeah, it's been the talk of uh, talk around here and I guess around uh, around the world. It was a cracking final. It was a, um, you know, it's what football's all about. Um, scripts you can't write, endings you can't. You know, put together that people will believe, and uh, that's the magic of football. And it was, um, yeah, it was a great spectacle, it was a great final. And uh, I guess for the most part, everyone was uh, hoping for the messy fairy tale ending, so that happened as well. But um, just a great game of football, and uh, everything we love about the game. Something else that was very positive about the World Cup, particularly from your point of view, was one of your players, uh, Juranovic. He had a great competition. How how confident are you that you can hold on to him in the next window? Because there's a lot of speculation, obviously, surrounding his future. I don't have any sort of confidence or lack of confidence about any of our players. They're all here and they're all uh, training. Obviously, Josip's um, not back yet. He had a great World Cup, absolutely. He was, he was brilliant and... Um, Credit to him, and you know he's he's got something now—a memory he'll have forever—and uh, represented our football club really well, as did all the boys at the World Cup. And uh, you know he's got a, a bit of time off now; he's got a week off, and he'll be back uh, training uh, uh, early next week and uh, ready to go. Hi, Ange. Uh, Stephen Welsh has also been linked with a move away from the club this week in the January window. Is there potential for that at all, or is he a player that you're looking to hold on to? You know, again, like. <sighs> You know, all this speculation. Well, I can tell you right now, we don't have an offer for any player. So, you know, people can talk about offers and clubs wanting, but I can't spend my time chasing shadows of what's in the press every morning because I'd be spending my whole day talking to players. Uh, as I keep saying to people, what I see is what's before me every day here at training. Um, if there's an issue or if people, if players <coughs> have things... Um, um, put in front of them about their future I'm sure they'll come and see me and Michael will speak to their representatives but right now there's nothing zero zip nada nothing going on and in terms of just your squad for this game coming up is there any injury problems anyone back in say attacks of yeah Sayed's back so he's he's good and uh and everyone got through the weekend uh all well so um in terms of uh Obviously, uh, James McCarthy um, still out, and uh, and, and Welsh is, is probably another couple of weeks away. But uh, and obviously Yossip's away. But uh, out of the weekend, Sayad's uh, back trained the uh, last couple of days and uh, fit and available. Hi, Angie. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Aberdeen's tactics at the weekend. Have you noticed over the time you've you've been here that clubs or teams are maybe sitting back more against you than they were, you know, in the, in the first few while you were here? 
No, not, look, not really, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't see any issue with, yeah, you know, I assume, you know, Jim set up his team on the weekend to try and get a result against us, and I think every manager tries to do that. Um, I don't have any real issue with it or, or, or sort of, from our perspective, how it affects us. I mean, I, the curious thing I find, and it's, it's more to, to do with language and anything else, and it's driven, I guess, a little bit by you guys in the media, but also, you know, I hear opposition coaches and, and opposition players before we play them, and they can't seem to differentiate between us and Rangers at all. It's almost like when you play the top two, this is what happens, and, you know, some of them even talk about it as if it's an excursion. You know, you go through Glasgow and this is what you expect, and I, I, I don't get that because if I referred to all the other teams apart from Rangers as the other ten and that, you know what, when we play the other 10, this is what happens. I'm not paying respect to the fact that, you know what, Livingston are going to be a different challenge tomorrow to St Johnson on the weekend. Um, different, even though they may play defensively, different ways they do that. Um, playing them home is different to playing them away. Um, so we kind of approach every game as if it's, you know, it's like a a jumps race in, 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 in racing. You know, you, you respect every hurdle. You don't, just because you're a few lengths in front, you don't, sort of look around and not worry about the next one. So um, that's a bit I find sort of curious because, as I said, if if people are assuming that, you know, if, if something works or doesn't work against Rangers, that's a reflection of how it's going to be. Well, we're totally different teams. We play differently. We have different types of players. They have different strengths. We have different strengths. We're different home and away. And that's where the discussion should be. But so, to be honest, I you know, I, I think, from my perspective, it kind of works in our, our favour if, if that's how opposition coaches sort of talk. I don't think they think that way, but when they talk that way, and they also bring a historical context, it just makes the task seem insurmountable because you're going, you know, when you play the top two, this has always happened, you know. I'm going, well, you're not playing the top two. You're playing Rangers or you're playing Celtic and you're playing them home and maybe they've got injuries this week or maybe they've had a bad week the week before or maybe they're coming off so... That's the kind of questioning that should be happening to managers. And I think, like I said, I think the managers and some players fall into the trap of just answering those questions because that's the way they're put to them. So that's where I think, you know, I, 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 I struggle with it a little bit, not so much the tactics. The tactics, well, you know what, we all have our own way of methodology of doing things. Is it something you work on if, say, a team is really sitting back? Can you, you work on that in training? Because obviously Aberdeen didn't venture forward much in, in, on, on Saturday and... In, in kind of crowded the penalty box is that something yeah I mean I mean that, that's probably a good example because we we expected Aberdeen to probably be a bit more aggressive so we kind of set up you know what they actually might may come out and, and try and stop us playing so we kind of prepared for that but also prepared for the fact that maybe they will sit back so we you know the players were sort of ready for both scenarios but like I said you know <clears throat> Aberdeen sitting back is not the same as Livingston sitting back because they've got different players. They've got different kind of formations. They've got different areas where they're, you know, potentially strong or potentially there's areas to exploit. Um, <coughs> like I said, with us, you know, depending on what wingers we play, what central striker we play, what fullbacks we play, what midfielders we play, that changes our game a little bit, you know. You saw that on the weekend. You know, the only reason I made a change with Dozen at half time was that yeah, Dyson's more effective for us when there's space behind, and there wasn't any. I thought there would be. And then, you know, Liel's better when, when teams are sort of parked in there, so we put Liel in. So, and, I, and I know that, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to other managers. I'm sure they go into that sort of detail as well, but it's just the language they use sometimes bemuses me because 
it seems they just tend to generalise about what they're going to potentially face against us. Hi Ange, just on the boys that have been away at the World Cup, what can what experience that they've earned there can they bring back to the squad and what message can that send to the younger players who might have similar experiences in the future? I guess it, you know, they come back with a, you know, a little bit more sort of you know, belief and, and I guess a little bit more motivation because, <coughs> you know, depending where they are in their careers, they'll they'll want more of it. Um, so, you know, they they want to take that that experience and and hopefully that makes them grow as footballers and 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 people. And you know, I guess for the whole group, it's it shows you that you know, what we do here and the way we're playing and the way we're training. Um, transfer as well when you're playing against the best because you know if, if our boys were <coughs> in great physical condition or playing with football they'd struggle at that level so I think it incentivizes everyone here to say well okay we we keep working hard and we get these opportunities we'll be able to quit ourselves well. <coughs> and what challenge are you expecting against Livingston tomorrow night? Yeah difficult one um, you know again uh, <coughs> yeah David's one that that yeah, he does put a lot of research into into what teams they're playing um although he's another one that sends tends to talk about the two of us rather than me singularly um so um it, and it's always a, a difficult challenge because um the thing with with Livingston is that you know that kind of irrespective of who they play against they have a certain style and they stick to it and it's difficult to play against which um which gives them some sort of certainty going into every game because if you if you kind of chop and change every week it it, it can put players in, in that little bit of area of uncertainty if things don't go well. But, you know, we've played them a few times now. Um, as I said, it's a different challenge at home to away. Tomorrow it's it's at Celtic Park, you know, where we can do certain things that are difficult for us to do on their turf. But um, it'll be a good challenge for us. Um, obviously their game got cancelled on the weekend. So, <coughs> yeah, they're coming off a, a pretty long break and... Yeah, you know, that can work one or two ways. You know, they're going to have a hell of a lot of energy, and we're going to have to expect that early on. Or if they're not quite at it early on, then we can take advantage of it. Hi, and um, four, four games coming up here in a short space of time. How much emphasis are you placing on this spell? Maybe in terms of how pivotal it can be for your team. Yeah, look, no more or less than than any other period. I think what was important for us was that we um, we started off, you know, resumed after the break. In a, in a good place and, and for that to happen we had to have a, a good performance and <coughs> obviously a positive result and um, both of those things happen so you know that hopefully gets us up and running again and you know look for us we, we, we really try and sort of concentrate on what our next challenge is and you know you kind of from my planning and the coaching staff, we <coughs> we know the congestion of games coming up, and and you know that's where we've got a, a strong squad where we can utilise players. But the way we we kind of address it is make sure that all our focus from the players' perspective is on Livingston and nothing beyond that. And uh, you know what happens after that, we'll deal with after the game. And looking back at the World Cup, as, as a coach, what were the kind of main things you saw on the pitch, maybe different, different aspects of the game that um, you're, you're kind of looking at? You, you took the whole, whole. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard, you know, unless you sort of follow it really closely to, to look for trends. And, you know, usually they'll, you know, they'll come out with a report afterwards and you can kind of look at different things. But, yeah, World Cups are kind of a unique space and this one even more unique being 
sort of mid-season, and I think you saw that. I I felt <clears throat> probably the games were at a lower tempo than you know usual World Cup games and, and World Cups. Um, you know, well, that's because, like I said, it was mid-season and, and um, you know where it was played and the conditions. I'm not really sure, but uh, <clears throat> you know, from my perspective, it was you know <laughs> quite evident that you know, um, there was quite a few of the more fa- favoured nations who didn't really deal well with I think it being a mid-season World Cup I just think a lot of a lot of countries you'd expect to be really strong really struggled with you know probably getting their preparations right because in the usual World Cup you've got two or three weeks to get your team up and running and uh, and it looked to me like you know quite a few of the favoured countries weren't as prepared as they normally would be for a World Cup. Hi Ange, uh, we watched James Forrest come on on Saturday and made an impact straight away, set up the goal for Callum McGregor. On our podcast this week, it was discussed whether James Forrest would maybe be better or alternatively played as in a sort of number 10 role. Is that something you've ever considered? Um, no, not really. I, I like James out wide because he's he's different to our other wingers, you know, and, and yeah, that's what we've tried to create. We, we kind of you know, with all our front players, is just for them to be a little bit different in in what they can bring, and, and depending on the game, you know, they can make an impact on. And I thought the game, you know, like I said, he came on, and when there is a sort of a congestion in the box, you know, he's one that is very good in tight spaces. He's one that's very good in, in making good decisions. And uh, like I said, I thought not just for the goal, he made an impact. But to be fair to him, he's make, he, he makes an impact every time. I've, I've either started him or put him on. Uh, obviously, he hasn't had a lot of game time, but you know, with the wingers we have, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of them sort of get rotated a fair bit. So, um, no, look, I, I like James in the wide areas. Like I said, he, he gives us something different from, you know, Barter or Jota or, or you know, Dazen or, or, or Haksabanovic for that matter. So, you know, I like the fact that, you know, when we make these changes, we're not just changing like for like which asks questions of the opposition you know because if they've gone to a certain rhythm about sort of how to counteract one of our wingers we're putting on a, another winger but he's a totally different type and uh, James fits that model and again similarly uh, we watched Days Maida the World Cup playing sort of through in a sort of central role and we've seen especially in the sort of group stage games and the last 16 game that it really made an impact with his pressing and his, and his you know sort of eye for goal again the discussion always usually among Celtic fans is Kyogo or Jack Marcus in that central role. Is now, especially after this World Cup, is Dyson made in a central role, you know, has that sort of been brought further to your attention uh, going forward in the later part of the season? Yeah, no, look, I, he can definitely, I mean, I that's, you know, I used him a fair bit that way when I had him at Yokohama and um, and he is he's very effective uh, down the middle and, uh, like I said, particularly with his, with his pressing and <coughs> for us it's... Um, it's again, it's a good option to have. Uh, yeah, obviously we've got two very good strikers in Kiorgo and and Jack and Marcus, who you know carrying most of the load there. But again, knock on wood, we've been really strong in terms of you know, maintaining our players on the field and not having too many injuries. But you know, um, having days in there who I know can play through the middle, I think Liel can play through the middle at different times. Um, it just means again we've got cover if if we need to and. Um, there will be times, there may be times even this year that you know we'll, we'll put Dyson through in the middle if, if we think the game requires it. Um, but he's certainly capable of playing uh, in the central role for sure.